Buy with Rob is your best choice when purchasing your new home in the Puget Sound area. Call 360-710-9425 today and get started on the best home buying experience you will ever have. Go to buywithrob.com today. Telling the truth is important, but one of the best lies you ever told got you out of Vietnam. That's true. Like, you know, have you ever seen Mash and Klinger try to fake crazy yeah. so he wouldn't have... You did it, man. I, I was really, really good at it. What did you, how did you convince them not to send you to Vietnam? <sighs> practice, practice, practice. You know. <laughs> I, I, you know, I had an army physical. It was the classic... It was the stuff of Arlo Guthrie's Alice and Alice's Restaurant. This crazy time, which none of you will really know much about, but in the in the late 60s, with America in, mired down in the Vietnam War, a war that I was very much against and protesting, there was a compulsory draft, and you either served or you left the country or you got thrown in jail or you used your wits to get out of it. Podcasts are verbal narcissism for ugly journalists. Hello, can I talk to Mr. David? Dave Bowman? Approach and identify. Hello? Seven young and earnest protesters burned draft cards on the steps of a Boston courthouse. A group of high school boys set upon them with fists. In the summer of 1787, 55 men would gather in the city of Philadelphia. They were tasked with fixing the government of the United States. Over the next four months, they would debate, discuss, argue, and refine the first document of its kind in all of history, an attempt to show that men can rule themselves by law. This is the story of those men and those times. This is Constitution Thursday, a time we set aside to read, discuss, study, debate, and learn about the Constitution of the United States, what it meant when it was written, why it was written that way, what it means now, and how it affects our lives each and every day. Here's how you can participate. The text machine is area code 209-565-DAVE. That's 565-3283. The email address is dave at thedavebowmanshow.com. And on the web and social media, just search for Constitution Thursday. Congress shall make no law. It's important. Congress shall make no law abridging the freedom of speech. First Amendment to the United States Constitution. And really kind of the focal point of our day as we look at uh, issues in the news, the history of the Constitution and how we got there. Good morning, good evening, or good afternoon, wherever you are, whatever you do. A lot of things happening in the world today, but today we set those aside and talk about the Constitution of the United States, what it means, what it meant when it was written, all those kinds of things are important and meaningful, and, well, not to turn a phrase or anything, but titillating, as it were, so we're going to get into some of that as well. A news story caught my eye, that's how this whole thing starts, that's how it always starts on Constitution Thursday as a news story catches my eyes. And sometimes there are, you know, stories about things that are meaningful and deep, and sometimes there are stories about things that bemuse me, and sometimes there are stories about things that I've talked to other people about. And some time ago, I had uh, Susan Shelley on the show, and we talked about the the way the, the 14th Amendment came to protect topless dancing is the title of her book. And so every now and then something pops up about that, and I'm I'm off in that direction again. I've been to strip clubs. They're not my favorite thing in the world. And in fact, uh, some of the funnier experiences I've had in my life were in strip clubs. But at the same time, one of the most depressing experiences in my life was in a strip club. Uh, we'd gone to... I think I've talked about my friend Chris Campbell, who was killed in a tragic training exercise in on Valentine's Day, 1990. Um, we all went to New Jersey for the funeral in Lakehurst, New Jersey. 
And so the the night before the funeral, we all went out. I mean, there's probably 30 of us and we went to, there was a little, little place there in Tom's river, New Jersey. Is that where it was? No, it was in Lakehurst. We went to Tom's river for the funeral, but the, the little place was in Lakehurst, which is a, believe it or not, a Navy base in Lakehurst, New Jersey. It was, it's famous because it's where the blimps and the, the, the airships used to be based. And it's where the Hindenburg actually crashed. And you can actually go and stand in the, the, the memorials. There's a rock outline where the Hindenburg crashed and you can go do that. And anyway, we were there for that. So the night before the funeral, we all went out just off the base there. There's a, there was a strip club. And so we went and I don't know, it was morose. We were all very depressed. We were, um, you know, we were drinking obviously because it was awake sort of, uh, Chris was Irish and Catholic and, uh, we were trying to do our best to, to get ourselves in the right frame of mind for the next day. And these poor girls, uh, they, they were, they were working hard and we just weren't interested. We, we I mean, <laughs> the, the whole plan, I mean, we basically took over the whole joint. I mean, there were 30 of us and they just were they were trying. They just didn't understand. And so finally, since I was basically the, the designated driver, um, the manager came over. So what that the heck? You guys aren't spending any. I mean, you're drinking a lot, but that and that's fine. But you're not you're not helping the girls any. And so I had to explain to him what was going on. And he was he was OK with it. And and one of the things I said to him is, don't don't sweat it. We'll take care of them, you know, before we go. And it's not them. It's us. It's, it's fine. That's and then my other experience was in Reno. Uh, where my my cousin decided we were in Reno. <laughs> what happens in Reno? Well, it stayed in Reno until this. Um, we were staying in Reno, and there was a place across the street from the hotel, and he wanted to go. He'd never been to a strip club, and I kept saying to him, "It's not going to be what you think it's going to be. It's not. It's it's just not." And so uh, he insisted that we go, and so we went. And we were in there for about five minutes. We just ordered our drinks when when one of the dancers came over to him and <laughs> offered him a, a lap dance. And he was not, uh, she was not, well, let's just say she wasn't his type. And so we bailed very quickly on the place and never did get to have our drinks. So uh, the, two of my experiences in strip clubs. Anyway, the story came across the, the uh, thing, the news. From Louisiana, a federal appeals court decision means that authorities in Louisiana still cannot enforce a state law setting 21 as the minimum age for exotic dancers. The ruling was by the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals in New Orleans was a sorry, Nolens was a victory for three women who were ages 18, 19 and 20 when the lawsuit was filed last year. Obviously, now they're 19, 20 and 21. Uh, the three judge panel upheld a federal district judge's injunction blocking enforcement of the law. And we'll obviously get into that in just a minute. Back in 2016, the Louisiana legislature decided that it wanted to change some things. They needed to make some, some fundamental changes in how things were done and what was going on. And they needed to, I don't know, they were concerned about some things. Now, it doesn't really matter how you look at this. It doesn't really matter what your position is, you have to accept some certain factual things here. Number one is there is a moral element to this. The idea of, uh, of dancing is morally questionable. I know in Sacramento this weekend, Stormy Daniels is supposed to be dancing at a club in, in Sacramento, and uh, the club is, is selling out. People are People are, I, I guess, you know, snapping up tickets to, to go see Stormy Daniels dance. I don't know why. I, I, you can't get it. But there's a, there's, a, there's a moralistic element to this that causes people to be uncomfortable. Some people are, are very adamantly upset and understandably, I suppose, angry about erotic dance, sorry, exotic dancing uh, in their location, in their cities, in their townships or whatever across the board. And, and throughout our history, this has always been a conflict between people who want to see this activity and people who don't want to see, don't want this activity. And in fact, 
laws have been passed, and entire cities were built at one point. Towns, I guess, would be a better phrase for them. Entire towns were built where the saloon had to be outside the city limits so that the dancing girls could dance. If you've never seen the Cheyenne Social Club with Henry Fonda and Jimmy Stewart, (laughs) that was one of the best movies ever made. I mean, it really is. But it's all about the 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 Cheyenne Social Club, the the dance place, the secondary effects, I guess, of the of the of the the the, the almost new dancing have to be across the railroad tracks. They have to be outside the city limits, and chaos ensues, and humor ensues, and it's a good movie. It's right up there. I think it's better than the best little whorehouse in Texas, which is also a great movie. But be that as it may, we we've had this conflict throughout our history. The can-can, the dancing girls, and and all of that. And nothing shocked me more in my lifetime. I, I've had a lot of things surprise me in my lifetime, but nothing shocked me more in my lifetime than the day I learned that my grandmother, of blessed memory, uh, who was a very devout Christian and very, I don't know, trying to think of the word for it, brutish? I mean... They were from that generation of of people that supposedly were, you know, well, Eisenhower, not pre-Eisenhower, uh, you know, that, that Victorian, late Victorian kind of mentality of things. That nothing shocked me more when I, than when I found out that one of her favorite things to do was to go to Nolens to watch the dancing shows. Now, she didn't like the girl dancing shows. She liked the female impersonator guy dancing shows. And... She and my grandfather would sneak off on occasion and go to Nolens and, and catch the shows. <laughs> I thought, that is weird. But it's, you know, to each their own, I guess. And in a way, it kind of humanizes my grandmother in a way that, that very little else could do at this point. She died when I was uh, 13. So I didn't get to know her as well as I had hoped to. But, uh, but at the same time, that kind of provides a human element to it. But it's interesting that she liked to go to Nolens to see this show. Nolens is where, and yes, that's how they say it, and they will yell at you if you don't. You can go down there if you want and say, New Orleans, and they will look at you like you're a tourist. And trust me, down in Nolens, they don't like tourists. It's outside the French Quarter. In the French Quarter, they love you, but outside the French Quarter, they'd just assume you go home. At any rate, uh, <laughs> if it's intriguing to me that this story comes out of knowledge. So the, 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 the state legislature of Louisiana gets an idea, which is that bad things happen around, well, let's just call it exotic dancing. You can't call it nude dancing because state law has required and has always required that the dancers must have, at a minimum, as the court wrote, using the words of their art, they must have, at a minimum, pasties and a G-string. <laughs> okay, that's what they have to have. So you can't technically call it nude dancing, but you can kind of call it erotic dancing, exotic dancing, whatever, whatever phrase you want to, to use there. Throughout the years, it has been called expressive dancing. Guess is the best way to, to kind of put that. There are numerous cases. I, I guess one of the things that kind of it didn't really shock me, but but it kind of amuses me in doing the research for this particular topic in this particular case was how many cases the court system and the Supreme Court in, in, included have heard over exotic dancing and. You know, how big does the pasty have to be? Does it have to cover the entire section or does it have to just just cover the nipple? Does it have to cover, you know, how big does the G string have to be? How it's it's bizarre. And yet at the same time, in a way, it kind of makes sense, because when it really comes to this kind of activity. there's a significant part of this country that would fight to defend the right to look at naked women. I mean, that's what it comes down to, right? Which is really bizarre, given our our predominant cultural experience of today. It's really strange. But 
Then you get into the arguments for and against. Of course, most of the arguments against allowing nude dancing are that it has uh, secondary effects, significant secondary effects. The state legislature of Louisiana was given a report. Now, it's not clear whether or not the state legislature of Louisiana actually bothered to read the report. It is not clear from their debate records or even from the verbiage of the law that they wrote that they read this report. Normally, when you pass a law, you you have what's called a preamble to that law, a reason. Uh, for example, if you happen to live in California, every bill comes with a, a purpose statement at the very beginning. The reason we're passing this law is because, and it outlines why they're doing it. Apparently, in Louisiana, they don't do that. And so there is great confusion as to whether or not the legislature read the report on the problems, the secondary effects, the secondary issues with, with exotic dancing or erotic dancing. We're just going to call it exotic dancing until I forget the next time and call it erotic dancing. Anyway, the point being, it would be so much easier if we just call it nude dancing, but we can't because they have pasties and G-strings. So at the end of the day here, the... The, the issue becomes very simple. Why did the legislature pass this law? And what the law did was it changed existing statute in the state of Louisiana so that no longer could you be an exotic dancer if you weren't 21 years of age. You had to be 21. So if you were 18, which is an adult, 19, 20, you could, not, you could no longer do exotic dancing. And they passed the law. They began enforcing it in September of 2016. Except, stay with me here, except in Nolans. The Nolans, they just said, you guys just keep doing what you're doing. We don't care for now. We intend to start enforcing it later in Nolans, but not right now, which is kind of problematic if you think about it from a, from a, a constitutional standpoint, because what happened to equal protection? Well, why do people in Nolans get to do this and Baton Rouge don't? Or Homa don't? I mean, there, there's a... There's an issue right there. But because the state said, well, we're going to, you know, we're going to phase this in by area. And they actually started with the areas outside of New Orleans, primarily because Baton Rouge is the is the second largest city, obviously, in in Louisiana. And it's also the home of Louisiana State University, LSU Tigers. And as it turns out, there's a lot of dance clubs in Baton Rouge, which were featuring a lot of young women who were dancing almost naked, not quite, because they had pasties and G-strings, but many of them, or at least some of them, or at least one of them that we know of, uh, turned out to be students at Louisiana State University, which is a taxpayer-funded university designed to educate the youth of Louisiana so that they can go forth in the world and become useful people and useful students, right? You with me here so far? You get the idea. So at least one of these young women is a student at Louisiana State University. And we will learn later on that she is basically paying for college at a state university, which is not cheap. Even, even with in-state tuition, it's not cheap, right? I mean, you can't, uh, I don't know. She's basically paying for college by dancing <clears throat> with pasties and G-strings, which is almost naked. The patrons, by the way, by law, have to be a minimum of three feet away, and they have to be a minimum of 18 inches above them. The, the details of the law are remarkable. Everything is in this law except why they're passing it. So, as you can imagine, chaos kind of ensues, and three young women come forward, and they file a lawsuit asking for an injunction, claiming that this particular law, number 365, as passed by the Louisiana State Legislature, violates both their First and Fourteenth Amendment rights. You probably don't have much of a problem seeing where the Fourteenth Amendment is being violated. This is actually the same problem that Dix has. It's the same Dix Sporting Goods. Uh, see, that's the problem with a titillating show is a you know, phraseology. Um, you get into this element here where there's a problem with whether or not you're equally applying the law. Does it, is there equal protection? Is it there? There's some, you can probably see where the 14th amendment is going to be a problem, but the first amendment, how is the first amendment related here? They're not actually 
speaking, are they? They're not printing anything. So how then does this become a freedom of speech issue? How then do these young women claim that this is a violation of their First Amendment right against the abridgment of freedom of speech? Which, by the way, is incorporated. So even though it says Congress shall make no law, you could basically read that as no government in the United States shall make a law restricting, inhibiting, whatever you want to call it, abridging the freedom of speech. And therein lies really really the crux of the matter, doesn't it? Now, if you're, if you're savvy, you already know the answer here. But if you're not, well, stick with us. We're going to get to it. We're going to talk a little bit about how we got to the point where the, the court and the legal system and the Constitution began to expand beyond the spoken word as freedom of speech. It really crosses into a lot of areas and a lot of zones and a lot of things that people get very passionate about. I have people in my life who would be who would express outrage at the idea of an 18-year-old girl being allowed to strip down to pasties and a G-string and dance for creepy old sailor guys who were, you know, 25, 26 at the time, uh, but even older now. There is a certain element of creepiness to it, isn't there? I mean, again, I've been to these clubs. They're not my thing. I, I haven't been since 1999, I think, was the last time I went. Mm. Yeah, January 1999 was was the last time I went. Um, I haven't been since because I again not going to see anything there that I, I don't want to. I don't see. I got to. I got to be careful how I say this. I'm not going to say it doesn't interest me because it does. Obviously, I have a parental interest in in that. But but at the same time, I'm also aware of what you're actually seeing here is fantasy. It's not reality. It's not, you're not dealing with, for the most part, you're not dealing with geniuses up on that stage. Uh, you can't, I've had conversations and I'm not trying to generalize here, but I've, I've, I dated a lingerie model for one day. Once upon a time, I know you look at me and you go, how could that guy get a, it was a setup and we went uh, out on New Year's Eve and it was by, by three in the morning, I was just, I was just having fun with her because she was the most vapid person I've ever met in my life, but she was gorgeous. And I just knew, even then, I just knew that, okay, even if something were to work out, this would never last because we are people on two different, two different trajectories in life. And that's kind of the way I look at, at, at some of this stuff. People who, hey, who, who go to those clubs. I don't know what they're really looking for. I, I don't have an idea. People who dance in those clubs, I don't really understand it. Now, I get the idea that if you're a gorgeous 18-year-old girl at LSU, you can make some money dancing, and it will pay for your classes, and you can spend all summer dancing and then go to school probably for the entire year. I get that. I understand that from an economic standpoint, and from the libertarian standpoint, I look at that and go, I don't have a problem with it, and I really don't. But then I start thinking about it as a dad with four daughters, and I go, that's just creepy. And then I start thinking about it as a, as a cultural cynic, a guy who looks at things and goes, well, that's funny. And I look at our culture today, and I start realizing that there's going to be somebody out there upset that they are not personally good enough looking to do this to make money at it. Now, then you get into a whole different thing about guys who, who like girls who are a certain shape or a certain way. I remember the musical Oklahoma, where he sings about, you know, you know, she's padded above and padded below. You swear she was padded from her toe, head, shoulder to her heel, but everything about her was absolutely real. Meaning she was, you know, what's the word? Vivacious? No, that's not right. Voluptuous, that's the word. Anyway, the point being that, you know, Different tastes for different people, I guess. But there's a certain element of discriminatory behavior here in the sense that, well, how come she can do that, but I can't? I don't get paid for it, but she does. And the law, when it went into effect and they started enforcing it, hurt at least two of the three litigants in this case. So we told you there were three girls that filed 18, 19, and 20 when the law went into effect. Um, two of the girls who were dancers who were making apparently buku bucks, a lot of money dancing suddenly found that they could not dance anymore. They were, they were told no. 
You cannot dance. And so they had to go be what are known as shot girls, girls that wander around in, in these clubs and hand out shots of, of booze to people for money. Obviously, they sell them. They don't, you know, it would be a great club where they had naked girls and free booze, but they don't have those. So at any rate, and and those girls just don't get tipped as well. They don't get as they don't have the opportunity to earn as much money, obviously. Because A, they can't, they, they don't get, because they're serving alcohol, they can't do it in pasties and a G-string. They have to have on clothing. Of course, it could be, I mean, the, the clothing itself could be very Hooters-esque and, and so forth and so on. But anyway, these two girls, allow, they're alleging that, number one, now I can't afford to go to college anymore. I can't go to school anymore, which would tell us that she's probably not the brightest candle in the menorah to begin with because she doesn't have a scholarship. But number the number two gal, she's... Um, She's basically homeless. Her parents had died, and she was basically working as a an exotic dancer to pay for her way of life, to to maintain, to stay off welfare. And that's one of her arguments: is if I can't dance, if I can't make money dancing, then I have to go on welfare. I have to I have to go on public assistance. Probably I can't I can't make ends meet that way. And so her argument is: you're 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 violating my ability to to earn a living you're you're taking that away from me and i i can't have that so there's that and then the 20 year old um her argument is a little less stringent it's more about the fact that it's it's really her argument is the one that actually carries the day at the end of the day her argument is how can you tell me i can't do this what the heck do you think you're doing, legislature? You don't get to tell me how I am expressing, air quote, air quote, myself. You can't tell me that. You can't. You know, that's unconstitutional. That is a violation of the First Amendment's prohibition against restrictions, abridgments of the freedom of speech. You don't get to tell me that. And of course... The court has to sit down. In this case, it's the Fifth Circuit Court. They have to sit down and look at this, and they've got to consider, okay, is there a reason to pass such a law? Is there an argument? Is it equal protection? I mean, we got some issues with the – we're going to give an injunction. The, the district court judge, the lower court judge, actually issues an injunction against the state of Louisiana saying, these people are likely to succeed on the merit of their case, so I'm going to put an injunction against this law. State of Louisiana replies, it ends up going to the Fifth Circuit Court, and now we're going to have an argument, which is what we do, to decide whether or not dancing with 18-year-olds, 19-year-olds, and 20-year-olds with pasties and G-strings is constitutional or not. It's Constitution Thursday on Plausibly Live. Stay with us back right after this. This is the Podcast 99 Internet Radio Network. What's up, Whitey? Hey, Scotsman. (laughs) We're from the Ale Evangelist Show, and you are listening to the Podcast 99 Internet Radio Network. Radio Network. You are listening to the Dave Bowman Show on the Podcast 99 Internet Radio Network. Welcome back. It's I, Dave. It is the Dave Bowman Show. Unless you're listening on podcast, then it's possibly live, the Dave Bowman Show. Right here on the Podcast 99 Internet Radio Network. Glad you're with us on Constitution Thursday episode of the show. Talking about titillation, exposed breasts and buttocks. That's, by the way, the the actual verbiage from the, the Louisiana state law. People who dance with exposed breasts and buttocks and or buttocks. Buttockses. What's the plural of buttocks? Just buttocks, right? <clears throat> they have to be 21 years of age, according to this law, which has been challenged in the state of Louisiana. Well, it's it's an intriguing and interesting path that we follow. The arguments that were made about why this is a violation of my constitutional right to to dance naked is, um, well, the court rejected most of them. 
most of the arguments, things like, well, this is how I'm paying for college because there are other ways to pay for college. Well, I'm, I'm, I might be homeless if I don't do this. Well, there are other jobs you can have. But then it comes to this, this other argument about free expression. And the court has to stop. The Fifth Circuit Court is the one that took this up and, and look at this and see where it goes. Now, before we go any further with that, I'm going to tell you right now, I suspect that the state of Louisiana will actually appeal this to the, to the Supreme Court. I don't know that. I think, the, I think the result would be the same, but who knows when you start getting to the Puritan interests of the, uh, of the Supreme Court may come into effect with that, and who knows what the 4-4 thing would do. So you got to go back in history, because the, the argument here is this dancing is my expression. And you can't limit my expression because Congress and by extension, the Louisiana state legislature shall make no law abridging the freedom of speech and expression via dance with pasties and G strings. We all agree that they're not nude is, is, is my way of expressing myself that I get paid for it on the side is, is, uh, is not irrelevant, is, is irrelevant. You are, you are legislating my ability. You are bridging my ability to, to do what I love to do, just to dance basically naked on stage, 18 inches above and three feet away from patrons who will pay me money for doing so. Sounds like a ridiculous argument, doesn't it? Oddly enough, the court has had to consider this idea of expression in the past. You go back to, to 1966, 1966, seven, was it six or seven? I think it was seven young men of draft age found themselves on the, on the, on the steps of the courthouse there in Boston, Massachusetts, where they pulled out their draft cards and set them on fire. Now, this was their way of protesting the, the Vietnam War, which was um, deeply divisive, obviously, it was their way of protesting the draft, which was, they said it was fundamentally unfair. Uh, that's a discussion for another day. But uh, there, is, um, there were a lot of moving parts. And in 1966, the anti-war movement was really just getting started. I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't 100% on fire yet. <laughs> See what I did there? But it also wasn't as pervasive as it would become later on in 68, 69, and into 1970. So these, these young men stood there on the courthouse in Boston and lit their draft cards on fire. The draft cards were required by the United States law. The United States government had passed a law issuing these draft cards so that, I don't know why, I mean, I, I guess theoretically it was so, it's not like you don't get a letter from them. For God's sakes, I got a letter in 1984. Five would have been Octoberish of 1985. No, it was 1986. No, it was later. It was 1989 when I got a letter from the Selective Service De Department of the Government. I got a letter from the Selective Service Department informing me that I had not registered. I had failed to register for the draft, and consequently, if I didn't register for the draft, I was going to lose some benefits, and I was in danger of being prosecuted, although they never do, uh, all kinds of, you know, veiled threats. I mean, for God's sake, it was like a telemarketer. This is the United States government. We are calling for to tell you that, but it was a letter and it was addressed to second class petty officer, fire controlman, Dave Bowman, Naval Guided Missile School, Damneck, Virginia. And so I called the number on the, on the thing and they were very helpful about it. They were like, well, you didn't register to draft for the draft. I said, I know I enlisted at 17. I didn't really feel the need to. Oh, so you're not just protesting. No, I, I, I've been in the Navy for the last nine years. What, what are you talking about? They're like, Oh, okay, that's cool. They took my name off the list. And as far as I know, the dogs aren't coming to get me and things are fine. But in the 1960s and 1966, the draft card was emblematic of, of the pervasiveness of the government and how the government was, basically conducting a war that they didn't want conducted and and they were liable to be dragged into it and this was this was problematic to them and so they they've many of them found themselves in the position where they didn't want to be drafted they didn't like the draft they didn't like all these things and so they decided many of them did or seven of them did on this particular day that they would burn those draft cards and 
they would do so as a form of expression to protest the Vietnam War. In the crowd, there happened to be, as you heard, some high school boys who were objecting to that. Were also in the in the crowd there that day were some FBI agents who immediately, quote unquote, escorted the men off uh, into the federal building there, the courthouse, and advised them of their rights because the, the FBI agents believed that they were in violation of federal law by burning their draft cards. The subsequent case would become known as U.S. versus O'Brien. And it would result in what would become known as the O'Brien test. And the test dealt with expression as speech. Can Is something that is a, an expression be protected First Amendment speech? Now, again, in the case of our four dancers here, the court decided that the idea that you couldn't pay for college is not is not a reason to to overturn this. The idea that you you might have to go on public assistance is not a reason that this would be unconstitutional. But they began to look at that that other element, which is very simply, what about this is my expression and my exercise of my free speech rights. The flip side of this is that the government has to meet four conditions in order to show that this law then becomes a valid constitutional law. The first one they have to meet is, it, it, can they do it? Is it constitutional? Is, the, is the, the limiting of this speech actually within the constitutional power of the government? Oddly enough, everybody in this case pretty much agrees that there are things that can be limited. Speech and expression can be limited. And, and I don't think any of us would completely disagree with that. Uh, maybe some anarcho-capitalists along the way, but but pretty much everybody else that's reasonable understands that the power of government does extend to some limitations, some reasonable limits on rights as outlined in the Constitution. Uh, we, we mostly see this idea in, in the in the concept of gun laws, you know, what's reasonable, what's not reasonable, but also within speech. Remember, speech is not universal. I mean, you can't, there are things you cannot say. There are things you cannot do as an expression of your First Amendment rights. You can't murder someone and then claim that it was a human sacrifice as part of your religion. You just, you know, that's going too far. So that's the first one. In in this particular case, they looked at that and said, yes, it's within the power of government. So check one, the law is still constitutional. Number two, does it further a government important interest? or important government interests, I guess would be a better way to word that. Um, this one is where the where that report that the Louisiana State Legislature may or may not have read comes into play. As it turns out, there are secondary effects of exotic dancing. I don't know if you knew this or not, but apparently, I didn't, you know, I'm not judging here. Apparently, numerous exotic dancers are also practicing prostitution, which is clearly against the law. You can't do that. And there is there are deep concerns about the spread of prostitution and the, the inherent public health issues that go with that. In addition to, and this is, this is one of the things that the state of Louisiana is arguing, there is an issue here with human trafficking. Once you get into prostitution, now you're into to human trafficking issues. And of course, these are deep concerns that that we all have and we all share. And maybe this 18-year-old girl who's paying her way through college is smart enough, wise enough, and drug-free enough to, to be able to do that, but not all of them are. And what if the exotic dancing is simply a cover for that issue? Now, the it's again, it's not clear because the Louisiana State Legislature did not say in a preamble statement, this is why we are doing this. This important government interest is more important than your right to free expression. It's overruled because, again, your rights end where somebody else gets hurt, see? But they didn't put that in there. They didn't say that they had considered that. The state, upon argument, said, well, but we have this report. And the report was given to the legislature, but we didn't say we read it. We didn't, you know, there's nothing in the debates, there's nothing in the law itself that says, because of this report, we have decided to take this action. 
Furthermore, the report, while it showed the statistics of how many of these girls were being involved in in sex trafficking and drug use and that sort of thing, it did not isolate them down by age. So there was no nothing in it that showed that it was just the 18 to 20 year olds that were the major problem or any of the problem. It just showed that all of them were the problem. So the government looked at that and the court said, based on, believe it or not, the O'Brien case, the fact that the, the state legislature had possibly not read the report, and it certainly looks like they didn't, um, nor that they put in a purpose statement, is not sufficient cause to, to override the law. We feel that the law does, in fact, further an important government interest, that of protecting these young women from sex trafficking and, and drug use, in addition to all the problems that that causes. If you've ever been in an area where prostitution is rife, you know that there are many other problems. Health problems become an issue. Um, drugs become an issue. Crime becomes an issue. And that's before you even get into the moralistic effects of, you know, what happens when, when you know, just pick a name here, Steve Johnson gets caught in a, in a sting operation and his papers in the, his pictures in the paper the next day and his wife sees it, his kid sees it. Uh, and it turns out that he's a pastor at, you know, the local church or whatever. It, it causes chaos. And so, the, the court said, no, there is an important government, government interest here, and we're not going to override it on that. Thirdly, the action has to be unrelated to the suppression of free speech. Now, in dealing with the draft card burning, the court didn't like what the guys had done, but in essence looked at the law and said that the law doesn't, doesn't suppress their freedom to do that. They can do that if they want, because ultimately the government still has their address and phone number and social security numbers or whatever IDs they were using at that point. And so a law that would say you cannot burn your draft card would be unconstitutional, but the law didn't actually say that in 1966, 1968, when the case was heard. And so it was unrelated to the suppression of the free speech, the free expression, as it were, in this case. The same thing happens with the dancers. Okay, the law itself is unrelated to trying to suppress your... The purpose of the law is not to express... Or to limit your expression, that's not its purpose. Its purpose relates back to that important government interest, which is to protect you from sex traffickers, drug addicts, health issues, that sort of thing. And that is a a viable government interest that that's involved here. We're not the law itself does not say that you can't express yourself. It doesn't even say that you can't dance. It just says you can't dance with pasties and a g string with exposed breasts and buttocks, as they put it. That's all it says. But then lastly, you get into this not-greater-than-necessary test. This is where this, this case gets hung up. Not-greater-than-necessary. In other words, is this the minimum the government can do, to, to and, and, and in doing so, suppress, abridge, someone's freedom of expression, someone's freedom of speech, and in doing so, is it the least that they could possibly do and still accomplish their purpose? And that's where the argument in this particular case comes down. The Fifth Circuit Court believes and has said that they believe, they hold, that this, in fact, does violate that element of the O'Brien test. And remember, it has to pass all four. No greater necessary hints of a different and difficult standards of least restrictive means. But the court has made clear the two are not equivalent. Quote, lest any confusion on the point remain, we reaffirm today that a regulation of the time, place, or manner of protected speech must be narrowly tailored to serve the government's legitimate content-neutral interests. Okay? So the question then becomes, all right, if your interest is in stopping sex trafficking drug trade, and whatever else, how does limiting it to just 21 and above do that? And the court has to look at that and say, does it? Your own study doesn't show that. Your own study doesn't show that it's just 18, 19, and 20-year-olds that, that, that do this. It's, it's all of them. So how is restricting this in a way that is not... Uh, Fair, I guess. 
in any way, shape, or form actually serving that important government interest. In the case of the draft cards, they, they, again, they, they basically said burning your draft cards is an expression of free speech, and a law that restricts the burning of draft cards would be unconstitutional, just like burning a flag would be a law that says the flag cannot be burned would be unconstitutional. Why? Because it's an expression of free speech. Burning my draft card would be an expression of free speech. Calling the, the Selective Service Department and telling them, hey, you people are stupid, is, is an expression of my free speech. And by the way, when I made that call, God, it was funny. They, my, my senior chief made me make it on a, uh, what are, what are, uh, the, the uh, they were all listening on the extension. My senior chief, my, my chief, my, all my shipmates, everybody was listening because they, they, they found this entertaining that I was going to get into it, and they were, they were, some of them were kind of hoping that I would go to jail, but those were the people that didn't like me. But, but it was an expression of my free speech. I was able to express myself freely, and I was nice about it. But I did call them kind of silly. Those are expressions of free speech, and the law cannot, cannot limit those unless there is a compelling government interest in doing so. And there might be a compelling government interest here in in restricting the right to dance naked. Well, not naked, pasties in a g-string, uh, eighteen inches above and three feet away from your compa- from your patrons. There might be a compelling government interest in doing so, but the government has not shown that that compelling interest is met by restricting the rights of adults, adults, eighteen, nineteen, and twenty year olds in the state of Louisiana from doing so. And so the Fifth Circuit Court looked at this and said they're likely to succeed. If this goes to the Supreme Court and the Supreme Court sticks with precedent. Now, again, it's always possible that the court could look at this and go, yeah, that O'Brien test from 1968, we're throwing that out. And there are many people who believe that that Judge Kavanaugh would do that. I don't, but many people believe that he would. They're fools, but again, that's my free expression of speech. The court would look at this and say, okay, this is the test that we have established. This is how we have handled this. This is what drives us. And again, had the state of Louisiana noted that the purpose of doing so was to protect 18, 19, 20-year-olds, and here's the evidence that 18, 19, 20-year-olds are vastly more susceptible to these things, then maybe we'd be having a different story, a different conversation. Maybe we wouldn't even be talking about it. Because I think we'd all kind of look at that and go, yeah, I don't really want my 18, 19, 20-year-old daughter dancing 18 inches above and three feet away from patrons who will pay her to dance with her breasts and buttocks exposed. That's what the language of the bill says, folks. It's not my words, it's theirs. I I think we'd all have a little bit of an issue. We'd all have a problem with that. But uh, she's 18. (laughs) I have that conversation with Ben all the time now. Why can't I stay up till nine? Well, when you're 18, you can. Freedom of expression is protected. It is protected speech, unless the government can show a compelling interest. Now, what will probably happen here? One of two things. Either the state will appeal this up to the Supreme Court, which I I wouldn't advise. I mean, if they were asking me, I would say, no, it's a waste of your tax dollar monies to try this case before the Supreme Court, because you're going to lose. If if everything goes according to the, the O'Brien test, which is you know pretty clear that you have to meet all of those things, it's... Yes, it's within the power. It does further your interest. It's unrelated to the suppression, but it isn't greater than necessary. If it, 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 they're going to lose, if the Supreme Court, you know, continues on that path and that pattern, they're going to lose that case. So I wouldn't advise them to do that. If I were a voter in Louisiana, I'd be a little upset if they were doing that. But at the same time, I'm not the attorney general or the governor of the state of Louisiana. So maybe they will. Maybe they'll decide that this is the way to do it. Who knows? They'll lose if they do, but it'll be interesting to watch, and it would make an amazing audio recording, I think, to listen to that that case. I think what will actually end up happening, if I were a betting man, and this this is what I would put my money on, is that the state of Louisiana will do one of two things. They will go back and say, well, we tried, but really, I mean, tourists come to New Orleans, New Orleans, Dave's grandmother used to come to New Orleans. To, and by the way, it doesn't define if they're men or women. It just says exposed, exposed breasts and buttocks. So uh, Dave's grandma used to come to Nolens to watch these shows. Uh, do we really want to hurt 
our tourist industry with that? I mean, is 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 there not some valid argument there in that? And so maybe we should just drop the whole thing? Or is it possible that they will come back to this and say, you know what, we'll just rewrite the law and we'll we'll show that there's a compelling government interest in not allowing 18, 19, and 20-year-olds to do this. I think they would lose in that case as well for the same reason that Minnesota and Oregon are having problems with trying to limit firearm sales to, to 18, 19, 20-year-olds. It violates the 14th Amendment. But that's a case that hasn't happened yet. It's a case well into the future, and it's a case that, uh, who knows, maybe someday we'll have a show that says Exposed Breasts and Buttocks 2. The second dance. No? It was just an idea. Anyway, as of right now, Fifth Circuit Court has ruled that you can't tell 18, 19, and 20-year-olds in the state of Louisiana, and by extension everywhere else, you can't pass a state law that says they can't dance with exposed breasts and buttocks. Okay. On we go. Onward and upward. Because Congress and the Louisiana State Legislature shall make no law abridging the freedom of speech. And exercising expression is part of free speech, as we learned in 1968 with the O'Brien case over burning draft cards. Okay? That puts a wrap on the Constitution Thursday show. How do you like all the new camera angles and stuff? you like all that? I'm having fun with it. I lost my feed from Facebook hours an hour ago, so I don't know. I know it's still working because I'm getting information for that, but but I can't see it. So I don't know. If you're talking to me in a chat room, I have no idea. That's one of the drawbacks to this. I, Facebook is starting to irritate me. I also needed to reboot the computer this morning, and I didn't have time to do it because it takes about 20 minutes to reboot this beast. Completely reboot it. I mean, get it back up and stable. So I didn't have time, and I needed to do that, and I didn't. But I'll make sure it happens before tomorrow's show. Because tomorrow's show, we're going to get into some heavy stuff. We're going to go into this. We're going to go deep into this uh, Me Too thing tomorrow. So we'll be back tomorrow at 10 o'clock for that Pacific time. Take the time right now. Tell the people that matter in your life you love them very much. You'd miss them if they weren't there. So don't pass up those opportunities. You don't want to have that regret. Plausibly Live, I'm Dave Bowman, and this is my show, The Dave Bowman Show, right here on the podcast, 99 internet radio network we're here every monday through friday at 10 a.m pacific and also on demand at both the dave bowman show.com and podcast 99.org download us on itunes give us a review and a rating appreciate it very much see you tomorrow everybody for a friday show show is a slippery fish entertainment production for the podcast 99 internet radio network for more information or to complain about how the show offended you the text or voicemail number is 209-565-DAVE for more information about the show log on to the dave bowman show.com hey i'm gonna go do something productive i'm gonna go watch television